Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everybody? Episode 36 of the Back Check is live. Brendan and Stefan here, and we had some crazy game action last night. Hockey was wild. Nathan McKinnon's a different breed when it comes to the postseason. There's going to be an Islanders playoff game at the Collie tonight. I hope that that barn's going to be rocking. What's the capacity at, buddy? Uh, a little under 7,000, but it's going to be absolutely packed. And, you know, yesterday was just an unreal day. Oh, just hockey. The craziness that happened yesterday, we, we should just get right into it because so many things happened. I guess let's go a day before that. I'm going to start by the Islanders real quick about how bad Varlamov was to start. You mean when he did his uh, Tristan Jari impersonation? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, yeah. perfect impersonation, by the way. But the way Jari played that one, he was off his angle completely. Varlamov at least played it right. He was there. He just whiffed in the glove. Rust also shot it from like the blue line. The, they- the second time he's done it in a playoff game against the same team. He did it against the Penguins when he was on the Capitals. And, like, the second one, okay, you want him to stop after the first one, but he did stop 43 shots. So yeah. he's not the reason in the end that they lost. you got to score a couple of goals for him. But that what, first one can't yeah. go in. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> can't well, go you, know, you look at Twitter. Twitter was divided. Now, as a goalie, I was on the half that said, listen, he made a mistake on the first one. Obviously, that stinks. But he gave the honors every single chance to come back into this game, and that's where you take the positive from but I get the fan side, the other side perspective that's saying, yeah, but by that point, the one goal he allowed, the second one, which he wanted to stop more after he lost the first one, you need a big stop there. He didn't come up with it. Again, it's a bad play by Pulak. Carter can't be can, wide open. You can that's counter hard. that by saying, look what happened for the Penguins in the first game, right? Jari let in three soft, four soft goals. The Penguins kept scoring and scoring and scoring to pick him up and then wound up losing an OT. But, like, that's the same thing here for Verlamov. If the Islanders picked him up and scored two, it washes those two out. He wasn't letting anything in the rest of the game. Oh, he was brilliant the rest of the game. And you look at it as you're not going to win a playoff game by scoring one goal. It's just not going to happen. The only way that's going to happen is if you have a goalie back there that's not going to allow anything. And by that point, there was only one goal scored. But you expect Varlamov was the first one off t- today at morning skate. He's going to start tonight. I expect a very good performance from him. He's a pro. Like I said, he's also coming – he was dominant after that, allowing that goal. The second one, again, you look at the second goal. Pulak played that. First off, Pulak and Pelik had their worst game of the season. That was by far the worst game we've seen in, in a calendar year from that top defensive pairing. They were terrible. Pulak allowed him way too much time and space for Carter. Again, you want him to make that save because of that first goal. If he doesn't allow that first goal and that goal goes in, 
probably nobody's complained that Varlamov didn't make that save. The fact was how bad the first one was, that would have been a perfect time for him to make a big-time save there, and he didn't. And unfortunately, that's how that game went for the Islanders. They didn't find a way to score goals. I mean, Matt Barzal, again, was invisible. And, you know, you go back, is he a true number one centerman? Probably not. He's very, very talented. But you look at the other top centermen in this league, uh, Nathan McKinnon, guys like that, Connor McDavid, where they don't need others to succeed. They dominate by themselves. When they have counterparts, like a Rantanen, like a Landeskog, of course, those guys are going to let up the points and they're going to pick up assists. But you look at McKinnon, what he did yesterday. You look at Barzal. Barzal does nothing. The Islanders lose. They can't score a goal. McKinnon's got seven points already in this series. He had a hat trick yesterday. Well, but McKinnon around. and Barzal are two different no, levels. But I'm saying, though, you want to compare it. You want to say Barzal's a superstar. He's not. He doesn't play to a super. He has superstar talent. Completely has superstar talent. But superstars know how to put their team on their backs. And carry them. And Bar- I'm, I'm not disrespecting anything that Islanders fans believe in, but Bar- Matt Barzal is not even close to being a superstar in this league. He's not even close. Yeah, until he, de- until he decides that he could shoot the puck and be a two-way player like that where he doesn't have to rely on passing because everybody knows. He gets in the zone, he's going to pass it to Everly or Komarov. He's not going to take that shot, which I don't understand because when he shoots and scores, they're very good goals. If he brings that element and just gets the defense, he doesn't. the defense that goes against Barzal does not have to think. They know, okay, he's coming in. He's going to look for a pass. Komarov's not going to finish, so why are we going to guard him? Everly misses the net or doesn't finish either. So, you know what? What's the point? You know, it's just going to be Barzal. And Barzal, the thing that bothers me is if he's not scoring goals or not making plays and assisting, that's fine. There's never an excuse to not use your legs. At least get the defense moving around and circling. I mean, we saw a play. He's so le- he was lazy on the puck the last couple of games. You know, there's plays that he can make that he's not making. And Get rid of the whole, well, he's got Komarov. He's, you know, it's, he's get, going against everybody. No, there are plays Barzal can be making in this series that he hasn't made. And again, at the end of the day, put in the work ethic, hustle, go around the zone, do what Kaprizov does, do what McKinnon does, go around and cycle. He just doesn't do anything right now. And that hurts because you need him to score. He can't be, he can't be putting up zeros every single game and doing absolutely nothing. And you're, he's your number one center. He's not a true number one center. Again, he doesn't win face off. He doesn't do enough. But right now, he's your number one center. He's got to pick it up or this Islanders team is in trouble. Yes, they are in game three tonight at the Kali, 7 p.m. It's going to be a good one. And uh, I do expect Varlamov to have a bounce-back performance. I'm not saying he might give up less than two goals because that's really not that bad of a game. But we'll, we'll see how the Pittsburgh Penguins come out because we know how dominant the Islanders are at home, especially with significantly more fans there in attendance. But you look at yesterday, and you mentioned McKinnon. And going to that game, outside of McKinnon's dominance, what is Nazim Kadri doing? Uh, he's trying to add to his resume of how many times I get suspended. Because so how many bad. Now? It's, not even, it's not even that he's a repeat offender. He's a repeat offender in the playoffs. And that's more weird. Obviously, you don't get suspended as Only much. Only in the first round, too, which is funny. Well, he did it with Toronto, right? Didn't he um, – so they don't get out of the first round, so we didn't yeah. have any second round opportunities. <laughs> exactly, but I mean, you just there is no reason to leave this hit. Mark Paris on Angel Network was visibly upset at this play, and you feel you feel for fault because first off, Kadri, if you watch the replay, he starts talking like he was pretty much saying like he didn't mean to do bull bull. Mark Paris said it, and I do agree with him. That was an intent to injure right there. It was. He had every chance to go for shoulder every other spot to hit him, but he goes for the chin. 
and he came from the other side of the rink. There was no reason to go to the slot. Obviously, Falk is in a spot where Falk knows he's probably going to get hit. But there's no way that he could be lead. And yes, George Paris messed up the Wilson thing. He really did. You can't mess this one up. He's been suspended before. I think the most he was suspended in the playoffs was five or six games. And this is probably as good as you could have. He's got. I think it's got to be six. I think it could be more, but I think it's got. You can't. This can't be a two-game suspension type thing because first off, Falk didn't return. Correct? No. He was out the rest of the game. How long is he going to be out? I don't know. For St. Louis, I mean, this hurts for them because they lost two defensemen yesterday, and they're down two games to none in this series because Colorado is just an absolute unit. Uh, we talked about this. It doesn't matter how good your team is. They're just that much better, and they're going to dominate. And when you have guys like McKinnon going going off and players of that caliber just on your team with so many other weapons, and Grubauer was was solid. He made some big-time saves and big moments. I mean, a few goals where, you know, that last goal by Hoffman probably can't go in. And that was a close game. you got to give St. Louis credit because they battled back. They made that closer than it should have been. And Bennington, again, I mean, as much as I've talked about him in a negative in a negative light, he's the only reason these games have been close because he's just been rock solid. He's been great. He's been great for them. And, I mean, they're really not giving him much of a chance defensively. But you, you texted me after McKinnon scored yesterday. That shot from the point, right? That's and I, I don't care if you're saying, oh, he didn't mean to put it there. Yes, he did because oh, his eyes are up the whole time. He knows exactly where the opening is, and he's hitting that. And I, we talk about Miko Ranton having a great regular season. Now he was their best player, and rightfully so. He had a phenomenal regular season goal-scoring-wise. and Probably their best forward. McKinnon missed a couple of games here and there, but Rantanen had his level. When you say it means something, McKinnon just turns it up, right? I, he doesn't stop moving his feet. You can't get the puck off his stick. And every time he's on the ice, you recognize him. Every single time, he's just dangerous wherever he is on the ice. He could score from 80 feet out like he did last night. He could score from in tight. And I love the fact in game one where he ripped the puck into the empty <laughs> net, right? Like, I'm, you never see that. They usually just slide it. He's intense. I love it. That shows his mentality that even when there's no goalie in net, that puck is going to be buried. Like, yep. It doesn't matter. And you, you bring it, we talked about it months ago. Who's more important to their team, McDavid or McKinnon? Now, you look at the playoffs and you look at what McK- – and during the regular season, which, Brendan, I'll ask you a question. I got a little trivia question for you of just how important one player is. And you might say McDavid is more important to Edmonton's success, but McKinnon is going to put this team in a Stanley Cup final. McDavid could do all he can, but McKinnon is just so dominant in the playoffs and knows how to get it done that that's the clutch factor you need if you're going to win a cup. Yep. Every team that wins a cup has that one player that steps up. You can be the most talented player in the league, but if McDavid gets shut down like he did yesterday, he had a few chances, but again, shut down pretty much for the most part and doesn't score and your team loses. That's why Edmonton will never win a cup unless they add more pieces. We talked about their depth. We thought maybe adding tourists would help or people down the line. It hasn't. So, Brendan, I'm going to ask you right now. I got a little trivia question for you. Let me get my notes out here real quick. Okay. So, obviously, McDavid had an unreal year. 33 goals, 72 assists, 105 points. The Oilers had 21 losses on the regular season, 19 regulation. How many of those losses did McDavid not register a goal? A goal or a point? No. Point, I'm not counting point. A goal. What do you think the record was when McKinnon did not score a goal? No, excuse me, when McDavid did not score a goal. I'm going to say 0-19. They were 115 and 1 when McDavid did not score. 
they had 21 losses on the season. They were 19 in regulation. So in 19 of the 15 of those 19, McDavid did not score a goal. I mean, they're not good when he doesn't score. We've, that's been established. Whenever you have 105 points in the season, one, you're not you're registering goals and points pretty much every game. But I mean, he's that valuable. And Winnipeg did a great job on him last night. I mean, they, oh, they did. They played him. I mean, he had his. He's always going to get his chances. You can't shut him down completely. He's superhuman. But in the playoffs, McDavid is o four and one. Uh, the team is o four and one in, in his career when he doesn't score. Uh, you, you talk about teams that are one dimensional. You have guys on that team that are talented. You got Drysaddle. He's got to step up. If McDavid's going to be shut down, it's going to be hard. I know that top line was pretty. I mean, Drysaddle has to be. You have to have more than one player. Look at the reason that the Colorado is so good is because McKinnon's going to score his goals. But if he's not going to score his goals, he's got the weapons around that know how to get the job done. But yeah, so McKinnon right now is carrying the offense, right? Seven points in two games. Utterly ridiculous. Next round and the round after that, if they get there, it's going to have to be somebody else, oh, right? Yeah, we see it secondary, tertiary scoring in the playoffs is huge, right? You got to have that depth scoring. I, I remember watching playoff games, right, with the Rangers when they were actually, you know, in the playoffs and it was fun. Um, they would have – Somebody like a Brandon Prust would score. And when they went to the cup, Dominic Moore is the one that scored the only goal of the game. It's got to be a third or fourth liner. So as good as McKinnon is right now, somebody on the second, third, and fourth lines of Colorado will eventually be scoring pivotal goals when McKinnon's getting keyed on. But for Edmonton, if McDavid and Dreisaitl are getting keyed on right now and are struggling, if they even do escape this round, which they can if that's the case, they're never going to advance because they need – secondary and tertiary scoring, and they don't have secondary, let alone tertiary. Speaking of secondary and tertiary and whatever the word after that is, fourth liners, talk about the Washington Capitals, Nick Dowd. I mean, Hath- this fourth. Hathaway is going off too. This is a this is a this what you need. And, yeah, they're down in this series because Samson doesn't know how to communicate with Schultz behind the net, which the way Did that – Did you see what Ovechkin oh, was doing? Well, he, I know he's probably cursing in Russian. It was definitely Russian. I think – I think it was Jillian Kemmerer. She she was like uh, kind of trying to break it down, but it was definitely Russian, which means he was going off. But Samsonov had that puck behind the net clean, and it's no communication whatsoever. But if you're Samsonov, you can't leave it there and then just casually skate back to the net. you got to move it. For some reason, if you watch the replay, Schultz goes for it and stops. Like a complete miss. Like Schultz was going around the net and then decided to like tail off. Well, he probably thought that he was going to bank it, and now he's breaking out the other way, and they have a guy beat, which is in that case is the right play. But it reminded me so much of when um, Georgiev and Tony D'Angelo had that incident against the Penguins, and everyone was going crazy. Ovechkin rocked uh, Samsonov after the game, though. No, no, because Ovechkin wouldn't do that. But at the same time, it just can't happen in double OT. No, that that if that is not that's almost equal to Varlamov. That can go in OT, and Varlamov allows that first goal in double overtime. That's just painful. Yeah. And how you, you look at the Bruins, and I said to you, I, I think they're going to come out of this round. First off, Craig Smith that pass to Taylor Hall on his beautiful goal was unreal. And kudos to Craig Smith for paying attention in double overtime and making that play there. Yeah, I mean, he, he was in there. You just got to look at. It. I mean, we talked about Hathaway Dowd. They're scoring goals. It's just this is bad. This is this is bad for Washington. This is a game that you know. This is a tough series for Washington because Taylor Hall talked about it and said they are the only team that plays man in the defensive zone. 
every other team plays zone. They said Laviolette is the only guy that plays man in the defensive zone. He said it's different, but once you do that, Hall said, it's, it's easier said than done, but you have a better chance of escaping from your guy when it's man-to-man. And Taylor Hall did. On his beautiful goal he scored, he escaped his guy and scored that goal there. And he said, if you could figure out how to get away and create space for yourself, you'll have success. But the problem is most teams don't know how to go up against that because they're used to playing against zone defenses every time. But Taylor Hall, man, when he find, he, he he better lock in a – I don't know how far the Bruins are going. I guess that will really impact his contract. Boston seems like a home for him. He seems to fit very well into the system. And Brad Marchand, Brendan, first off, he's got to stop doing this thing he does with his stick. After the whistle, when he gets into scrums, he likes to poke people. And he keeps taking penalties. And Capitals scored on that. But no, it doesn't matter because Brad Marchand finds a way to come through for his team every time. You hate him. You hate him a lot. Everybody hates him. But he just he just gets it done. He's ultra-skilled. Ultra-skilled. And I, I know last time we had a show, I said that this series is going to be 2-2 going back to Washington. I thought each team would hold their home ice. It didn't happen that way, but I still think it's going to be 2-2. I like Washington to bounce back since Boston only wins in OT. But you mentioned Taylor Hall and Brad Marchand, and yeah. Well, I mean, we know how skilled Taylor Hall was, right? So that didn't just vanish. Lose that. Yeah, uh, so any team he would have been a little better on, but Boston is a good fit for him. So you want he's, to not, he's not first line. Good, but he doesn't – see, he, he said he – after I think – I don't know what game it was. He said, I'm having the most, most fun I've ever had playing in the NHL. Because With, the pressure's on that big three. He goes against not the top defense. And he's down. It's noticeable. Which is – which I'll go back to the Islanders. And this was a take I made yesterday, and I don't think I'm completely out of line. I don't think if, – if Barzal struggles tonight, I don't think it's a terrible idea to swap him and Nelson. Nelson is more of a player that on his own can produce, goal-wise. You're, you're talking goals. Islanders need goals. Brock Nelson could pass, of course, but he has a, one of the best releases on the Islanders team. He comes in the zone. He could take that shot. We saw it in game one. Barzal plays alongside Eberle and Bailey. Yes, I know Bailey's a playmaker. Oh, excuse me, not Eberle and Bailey. Bavillier and Bailey. I know Bailey's a playmaker. I just think Barzal on the second line might have more success. It's not a knock on Barzal. You're talking about the playoffs right now. you got to figure out a way to produce. Now, Trotz is not eager probably to switch it up. He, he seems to have his group he wants to go with. And you're never going to get a group you want with Komarov on the top line. No knock on Komarov at all. It's just that's the situation you're in. You don't have another guy to put there. Lee obviously was a perfect fit. But you go back to the Bruins. And NHL Network had a crazy stat I just wanted to share. So the Capitals had 37 slot shots on net this series. The Bruins had 54. So the Bruins are taking advantage of getting – separation and positioning inside the slot and they're making a count yep. putting a lot of pressure on the opposing net miner and Samsonov was pretty good yesterday besides that fluke you know what they're calling you now a gaff that's like the big word now you had, a gaff. you had a gaff behind the net never heard the word and the last couple of days that's the only word i've heard Colorado hockey now has used gaff nhl network had nhl network or nhl.com used gaff twice in back-to-back stories Never heard the word before. I'm going to add it to my resume, though, of words I know. It's a very limited Gaff. How do you spell it? G-A-F-F-E. I'm pretty sure. Yep, you're right. You're right. I just wanted to make sure, you know, if you're going to add it to something, you got to be able to spell it right. So yeah, that was a gap. My... And Ovechkin, by the way, has never scored an OT playoff goal. Really? How crazy is that? Captain, not clutch, baby. I mean, he scored his first goal of the playoffs yesterday. Congrats. Not when it mattered. McKinnon would have scored in the OT. Uh, that I still can't get over that shot from the point. Just, it, just first off, I've never seen a forward 
take advantage of being inside the blue line like McKinnon does. I don't know any other scorer in the NHL of that caliber that likes to play on the blue line. He has – I've never seen it. Well, usually they'll hover around the blue line to pass. Like yes, Panarin, Panarin will stop at the blue line and hover around it to pass. McKinnon not just shoot. Though. Yeah. And he's so – his accuracy is so incredibly – Unreal that, like you said, people will say that wasn't on purpose. That shot was 100% where he wanted that to go. I think he probably wants it to go bar down in that corner. He gets it off the post, so I think he'll take it, though. And the cool thing is every time he scored, they showed his parents in the crowd. Yep. And that's, just, that's just awesome. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonics Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. Friend of the show, Rob Shrem's company, 44 Vision Hockey, is a proud sponsor of The Back Check. But to go to a series, Brendan, that you said was over before it even started, it seems to be, you, you seem to be correct, Carolina and Nashville. Nashville just has no chance. And Nashville's also, playing well, too. They just, Carolina's no a different animal. Saros is playing well as well. It's just, first off, Alex, I'm not going to pronounce his name. Carolina goalie's Nijelkovic. Alex. Nijelkovic. This guy's, this guy's, this guy's good. This guy's not even good. He's so confident. He's out on the top of his crease. His rebound control is great. I just I love what I'm seeing from him because they have they have three goals they could go with. Yep. Him, Mrazek and Reimer. And obviously Reimer's probably the third string, but Mrazek showed in the playoffs that he could play. He's a very good goaltender. Obviously they all are. But Alex, man, I mean, that was just a beautiful performance yesterday. Again, again, Nashville's playing well. It's just this Carolina team is is so good. Did you see what Aho said? No. I did he, not. He goes if I get a break, he goes, doesn't matter if it's on the power play, the penalty kill, or even strength. If I have a breakaway, I'm taking it. It, it just the, the confidence of him is so good. And you talk about Carolina where no, like, super, superstars, but they got guys that are up there. I mean, Ajo's a talent. Spesikov's a talent. And you might not think Ajo's up there with the McKinnons and McDavid because he's not. But, my God, is he good at hockey, and he does what he needs to do to help his team win every single night. Yeah, I mean, that series is over. It's over. It, um. It's over. And Colorado series is over. With or without Kadri, doesn't matter. That team's too damn good. Too good. Too good at hockey. And surprisingly enough, well, not really surprisingly because I picked it. I thought it would be a little more of a battle, especially at home. But Tampa's just a different class in the playoffs yeah. in comparison to Florida. Florida doesn't have that yet. And I think that if Florida wants to win a couple of games in this series – they're going to have to stop playing this physical style and trying to match Tampa Bay's physicality and just start to transition more. Let Tampa Bay go out of position trying to hit you and just counterattack. They're getting too involved. It's like it, it literally is what the Rangers did against Carolina in game one. They tried to match their physicality, and they wound up getting all out of whack, and they couldn't generate anything offensively. 
Florida, when was the last time they had one goal in a game, right? I mean, they got to be able to counterattack better. That series has quickly gone downhill for them. It seems more like a show for Florida. You know, they're in front of their home crowd. They just want to put on a show. Like you're saying, the physicality, the fighting. The, you know, to them, they, this is like the biggest series of the, of that franchise. Really, just like going against Tampa. But we talked about it. It, it. They're like Colorado. It doesn't matter how good you play. You're not going to beat them. And now you lost both at home. You're not beating them on the road, especially when they're coming off Stanley Cup champion champions last year. That place is going to be packed. Like you're, you're not – you're not going to be – this probably going to end up being a sweep. It probably is. I'm going to give Florida one game because they were all, they were borderline in game one and borderline in game two. Like they had a chance to tie that up. Vasilevsky played well. So maybe going on the road is a good thing for them. Like you said, right now they're catering to their crowd. They're trying to get everybody riled up. Maybe going into another team's barn and, and just trying to dictate play. Quenville's going to slow it down, right? You go, okay, we're on the road. we got to hold the fort, capitalize on chances. Maybe that's the kind of style they need to play to get back into the series. It's just, it's just going to be tough. These good teams, and it just, it's very hard when you don't play your game to win. And even when you play your game, they're, it's just talent level. Florida's so talented, yes, of course. Barkov, Huberto, they're talented. But you, you're talking about Tampa, just another stratosphere. Like you look at the, look at the other division. You look at Colorado. There are talented teams in that division, but they're just on another stratosphere where you're. Ne- you could get all the talent you want, and you, your pl- your best players could play to their best abilities, but you're never going to overmatch them skill wise. You have to. The problem is you got to make the most of your opportunities each game, and if you don't do that, you're only going to get a few. So if you don't do that, you're going to lose every game. But we got we got a new series starting tonight, Brendan. Canadians at Toronto and. I mean, this is going to be probably not a fun one for Montreal, if I had to think. First off, Carey Price was in practice the other day and let up a, a weak goal and broke his stick. So clearly his tensions are pretty high, and you're going to go against a Toronto team. That is probably going to light the lamp. Probably going to light the lamp. And you need your goaltender to be able to shake things off. And if, you, if he's not shaking things off in practice, I mean, there's no reason. Yes, Montreal's defense is probably one of the better defenses in that division. But Shea Weber's back, which is great for them. He's going to play. He's likely to play, but he, he, I'm pretty sure he's going to play, and that's in your captain. You want him out there. Why is Caulfield not playing? I don't know what they're doing in that whole thing with the young kids. Cockaniemi's not playing either. That's fine. What well, Caulfield came up and literally did everything you needed him to do and was clutch. And Unless that's, they just don't think he's ready for the physicality of a postseason series. Again, though, you're going to this is this um, series is going to be. Which team scores more goals than the other? It's not which team plays better defense because defense is going to be at a minimum. You need your goal scorers in there. I think this series is going to be a lot closer than people think. No, it might be closer. And I also have zero excitement level for it because there's no fans in attendance. It's true. But do you think, Brendan, do you agree that it's going to be close, but it's going to be like 5-4, 6-5? I don't think it's going to be defensive shutdown hockey. Really? I just – well, there will be a couple of games where they're high scoring. But every game it won't be just – the playoffs bring out some kind of animal where teams just tighten everything up. It becomes that much harder to score. And I've seen it for with Toronto for so many seasons now where that little bit of a, a tightening that the opposition does defensively throws everything off. And it looks like they're all out of whack a couple of times. And for Montreal, I don't know who's going to be that guy that could score for them. So I, I really do think that there might be – I mean, he would be one of them. I just think there might be a couple of games here where we get surprised with some lower scoring and, and goaltending duels. 
Yeah, I mean, and Campbell's starting. Anderson, like last week, I think they talked to him and he said, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready. I'm excited for the playoffs and I'm ready to go. I think it's the 100% correct thing is to start Campbell. What he what he did, I mean, I, I think Frederick Anderson is, I don't know if he's 100%, he might say he is, but you have to ride Campbell until he says to you, I can't handle it. Yep. Uh, you, you would think that that's the route they're going to go. And then, I mean, you're looking at the games tonight, right? Yeah. So that series kicks off. You got Florida in Tampa. Who you got there? Tampa. I, I really don't see Florida getting – I don't see Florida winning a game this series. I thought they had a chance at home. I really did with the pack crowd for the first time in their franchise history. Their, their fans, every seat was filled. But I, you don't win any on home. Now you're going to Tampa, Stanley Cup um, last year winners, and no shot. No shot in hell. I agree. I agree. And I'm going to take Toronto tonight, even though I do think it will be closer. But, you know, before we get to the Islanders, Penguins won. Mm-hmm. Vegas and Minnesota has been very close. Give me Minnesota. Very close. And I think that Minnesota wins tonight too. But I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas did either. Yeah. But the way that Flurry's playing. So I'm not really sure who to pick in that. And uh, Vegas has to figure out how to generate some offense, man. That's the thing. You Now you're going to a Minnesota. First of all, Minnesota is mini Canada. It is. And I don't remember the last time anyone was this excited about a Minnesota team. Even when they made the – you know, again, yeah. we talked about it. They make the playoffs, they play Colorado, they're out. It was just the same thing every time. But now you got a lot of young guys stepping up. Like Greenway is bursting on – I mean, obviously he's been around for a couple of years now, but Greenway, Kaprizov, you just – Talbot's been playing great. And you look at this team and, they're, again, they're not scared of Vegas. You know, a lot of teams are scared. to. You play Vegas, it's like, okay, you could see like, okay, they're an overpowering team. Minnesota, Minnesota Wild are saying, come at us. Come at us, bro. Now you're yep. at Excel Energy Center in a packed Minnesota arena. I mean, there's excitement. And if you well, think it's, it's not going to be packed, so. it's not going to be packed, right? What's they the got 5,000 fans, I think. All right. So not all the way packed. Still, 5,000 fans, not bad. I mean, Minnesotans allowed. So maybe Mark Paris might be on the scene screaming as well. But I don't know. Again, I said something about Minnesota before this. That I just the sense of this team in the playoffs. I feel like something could happen. I don't know. Again, don't know how far they go, but I would not be shocked if they find a way to win tonight on home ice. And if they do that, and let's say they do that and they shut down Vegas goal wise, Vegas is in a lot of trouble. They are, and then you could rely on Flurry all you want. And I hope that Flurry, as a as a fan of goaltenders in general, can keep it up. But it's not realistic that every single game he's going to do this. It's so hard to do that. He's going to get tired quick. And let's say that Vegas does escape this round. I wouldn't be shocked if Flurry has a bad game next round and you see Robin Leonard come in. Just because it's so hard. We saw with Varmov last year, the dominancy. Dominancy had the big shutout streak, franchise record, playoff shutout streak. And then once he allowed one goal, he fell apart. And then you relied on Grice in a big game seven, and he won it. And you went back to Varlamov and you swapped with Grice. And it just wasn't the same because Varlamov was exhausted. He had yep. to be brilliant. Now you're looking at Flurry, and it's just it feels like the same thing. Is he's gonna have to be, he's gonna have to shut him out with the offense. The way the offense is going, he's going to have to shut out Minnesota. And I think at home, Minnesota's you know they beat Vegas already once in this series, and I think they'll do it again tonight. So I love Mark Andre Flurry. I, I think do. He's a great goalie. I also think he might be the most overrated goalie in NHL history. I mean, he's been on very good teams. He forget that he has three cups, but two of which he wasn't the main starter for. I mean, he's been to the playoffs 15 straight years because he just happened to be on a great Pittsburgh team, and then Pittsburgh thought he wasn't good enough anymore, and he went to Vegas, and now he's a tandem there as well. And he's a very good goaltender, but I've watched him get beat numerous times by Rangers teams in the playoffs. 
what he's doing right now is what he can do and why he's been around as long as he can because he is that good. But at the same time, when you talk about the greatest goaltender of all time, when he retires, I feel like his name is going to get brought up. And in my opinion, that he's just not at that level. I agree. He was just a very good goaltender. I mean, and when they won it, what was it, 2009? Mm-hmm. He made that like stack the pe- I, he came up big, but that was two thousand nine. Yeah, well, are you talking about the save against Detroit at the buzzer when he threw himself? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was his lone cup run, right? Yeah, yeah. And I know that somebody's going to listen to this and comment and go, "Oh, Lokus doesn't have a cup though." So, yeah, he doesn't, and that sucks, right? And but Lunquist numbers in the postseason when he was going against Flurry, he beat him every time. So there's a fine line. Like you need a team to win a cup. It's never going to be just in the goalie. But at the same time, there was two cup runs where the team looked at what they had and thought that Matt Murray was a better goaltender at the time. Well, they definitely did because they let Flurry go. So and that speaks a little volumes. And when you, let, when you let a guy like that go, I know Murray was good. He was, I feel like he wasn't amazing. He was good enough. He was good enough to win the cups. They had Flurry back. But again, you're also talking about a very good Penguins team. So yeah, Malkin actually showed up and played hockey. And I'm pretty sure Malkin, by the way, was on the ice this morning. I'm not sure if he's get to play tonight. Let me see. What is he out with? I don't know. I think it's the same thing he's been out with the whole year. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if it's lower or upper body. Something's a, it's a nagging injury, and that's like the worst type of injuries you could possibly have because they just seem to not go away. And he's missed time, but he also, when he played, wasn't the same. Now, the question you look here is, was he healthy? He probably wasn't healthy the whole entire time. He's probably been battling the same thing the whole entire year. I think the Penguins do need him. I personally, if we want to talk about that game tonight, Islanders on home ice, I think they got the job done. I think they do because the Islanders, again, have been so dominant at home. The Penguins are the best team at home, and they split. And you want to say the Islanders were lucky to get a split based on, let's say, looking at it this way. Brazil didn't show up in either games, and they got a split. That's how I would say, okay, that's good. Islanders played good. My the way I would look at it out completely. Oh, so Malkin is taking line rushes this morning. I think he'll be in. He's taking line rushes with. See that changes it for me. I think that makes it a closer rushes. game. It probably does. He's taking line rushes with Zucker and Kapanen, and they're pretty sure he'll play tonight. But you look at this. The other way I look at that series thus far is Islanders had a huge chance to go up to nothing. Huge chance, and they they kind of blew it. They yep. knew Jari, they knew Jari. This is what bothers me. Okay, you you know a goalie's weakness. You know a goalie's weakness. It's glove. Their one goal was still backhand glove. Why wasn't there an emphasis in game two on shooting glove? Why? I mean, he made a couple of, you know, I got roasted, by the way, on Instagram. I don't know if you saw. I did. Okay. I got roasted. Fair enough. I made a take. Fair enough. But then I, I thought about it. I looked back at the goals. I looked back at his saves and his highlights. And I wasn't really wrong. First game, Jari was. I'll back you up on this. Tristan Jari sucks. No, but no, no, but hear me out. Hear me out. Jari was phenomenal in game one in tight. Phenomenal. Everything he allowed was glove side. Game two. Again, Jari was phenomenal in tight. Islanders scored one goal was glove side. If the Islanders score, if the Islanders shoot more glove side that game rather than in tight, Islanders win the game. His goal glove hand is disgustingly terrible. I've never seen him. He shoulders everything. He tries to like shoulder it and he doesn't put his glove hand up. If the Islanders shoot. He has a dead arm. Exactly. And it's a delayed dead arm. So I look at it as, yeah, Jari was really good. At, he was good at what he, he's good at, which is playing in tight. The Islanders played to Jari's game. If the Islanders shoot glove side on more chances than they did, they probably had a handful of glove side shots. No, I will say if he figures out how to use his glove hand, 
He'll be he's going to become one of the best goaltenders in the league. Yes, but, but how do you not take advantage of that in game two? No, that's because he's playing the Islanders. No, but I'm yes, exactly. But you know, it just blows my mind how you saw a clear weakness. How does Palmieri shoot like that, score twice, and not record a shot on goal the next game? So we, by the way, the stat people, I, we got to talk to the stat people at PPG Paints Arena because he had a shot on goal because it led to a rebound chance for the Islanders. They didn't count it. They didn't. I don't know why they didn't count it, but they did not. He did have one shot on goal, but one shot on goal is not good enough. How can your guy that led you in game one win have one shot on goal? Against Jari, I would shoot stuff from the blue line. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. For, for, um, for Palmieri, right? You just picked this glove hand twice. Picked it apart. Why are you not just walking in, your head going up, and just ripping one? And then after Josh Bailey makes a filthy move, by the way, and scores on that backhand beauty, why after that did they not go, oh, okay, the glove hand's weak again tonight? Because they really hadn't tested his glove hand all night long until he scored. Now you show, okay, you watch the replay of Jari, and his, it's just it's not good. It's not good what he does with the glove, and he did that all game one. I just – I don't understand. I don't understand. And Komarov had a chance, by the way. He came in and took a shot right in the chest. Yep. Need to go glove? You saw that, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, did he mean to go glove? Probably. It's Komarov. He's not – but I don't blame uh, Komarov. You have so many guys on this Nelson, Bavillier, who gets – Bavillier is going to score eventually. I don't know when it's going to happen, but he has too many chances. He's, he's acting like Jordan Everly last year postseason before Everly netted that OT winner. It's just so discouraging to know clearly know what a weakness is for. I mean, Tristan Jari probably said, "Please don't shoot glove. Please don't shoot glove." Oh, you're coming in tight. I got this. Like the you just made Jari a significantly more confident netminder coming into Game Three when there is zero reason he should have any confidence. Do the Penguins win last game? Maybe after those first two goals go in, deflating for the Islanders, they're playing from behind and the Penguins played pretty well. But you can't score one goal on Jari, and if that goal is going glove, you got to score. you got to score glove side. It's right there. It is right in front of you. And the sad thing is I'm seeing this. I get paid to do absolutely nothing in hockey, and I'm seeing this happen. And I don't see anything from the Penguins that force them to shoot blocker side on him or in tight. I feel like the Islanders went in tight. Yeah, they did. I do think they went tonight, though. You have to. You have I to. do think they went tonight. I think that – you're going to see your boy Matty Martz get a goal. And I know that you're going to go crazy about the fourth line, but I just have that feeling. So they're going to win 2 one, nothing. 2 nothing. You think you think Romov comes back with a shutout? I do. I've seen nothing in, in this season that has shown me otherwise, especially when they're at home. I agree. Um, so you want to hear a messed up story? I get a phone call from my friend Kyle. And I'm going to shout out to you, Kyle. You suck. Anyway, I get a phone call from him. What, first of all, this is how we started the conversation. I don't know why. Yo, how, how much are the tickets for Saturday's game at the Coliseum? I said, I don't know. I looked it up and closed my laptop because I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. He goes, want to go Thursday. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, my cousin has two extra tickets. Um, do you want to go? I'm like, well, how much? He goes, 100. He's like, yeah, I'm down. As I'm on the phone with him, he goes, ah, oh, he asked my uncle too, which I knew he asked, but I didn't think you'd be able to go, so I asked you first. But he's going to go, so um, we don't have any more tickets left. <laughs> I said, why don't you just wait until after he goes, yeah, I thought he was working. I'm like, you should have just waited. I hate you. Like, I actually hate you now. So now you're all excited to go to a game, and you're going to be like us peasants watching at home? Well, first of all, I'm working with my dad. So I'm, the, the event ends at 7 o'clock, so I'm going to listen to the radio for the first 30 minutes an hour in Yapank. Um, for a photo shoot. that's deep I know I don't even know if they get the signal out there on the radio <laughs> but no I mean for the Islanders you look at it this way if they don't win tonight they're in big trouble because you're at home you dominated at home 
you have the crowd behind you for the first time pretty as packed as you're gonna you're pretty much gonna get it now until probably the next couple of rounds if they make it there you know how to win at home that's the big deal you know how to get a lead you know how to score first you know how to hold it and you know how to win and your best players perform best at home your goaltenders were best at home if you're not gonna take two on the road you got you got i mean there's i really don't think there's a reason you don't take two at home because you just it's the islanders were so bad on the road this season very mediocre that you're at the last season ever at Nassau Coliseum, the last playoffs ever at Nassau Coliseum. And they just announced that UBS Arena will be ready to go. It is all set for November. So you're going to go on a long road trip to start next season, but then you're coming home to a place that's going to be like the Taj Mahal of hockey arenas. I just quoted Stan Fisher. I want to give him credit for that. You have to find a way to win this. If you don't win this one tonight, how deflating is that? Going into Very, because all Pittsburgh wants to do on this two games on the road is take one. Exactly. So if they could do it in the first game on the road, their job is complete, and they get home ice back. It's it's just this is a very big game for the Islanders, and it's a again you just need your top players to show up. If your top players are not going to show up at home last season at Coliseum, when are they going to show up? There's no better time to show up than tonight. Now I think like you, I think the fourth line is going to be a big focal point tonight. I think they're going to have to you know commit right away to their game. They're going to get their chances. Again, they're not going against the top defense, so they're going to get their chances. But the yep. more importantly is they have to forecheck hard because no matter what they go up against any line, they got to make sure that those Penguin shifts, those offensive shifts, don't get any zone time. If they can keep them in their defensive zone, the way they have to go to the neutral zone and dump, that's that's the goal every time Martin's lines out there, the fourth line. Get that team playing play more in the offensive zone. That way, when they transition, they just dump because if they dump, they're not going to have offensive zone time. The Islanders have to do a much better job in front of their goalie, though. Pulak Pelik have to show up. Your best yeah. defensive pairing can't be what they were last because they're the top defensive pairing. And, you know, Mayfield and Letty have struggled. Green and Dobson. Dobson's new to this playoff thing. I know last year he got in a couple of games, but he's new to the playoffs. You need your top defensive show up. And you need Matt – if there's a game for Matt Barzal to break out in this playoffs and showcase that, hey, he's he steps through on the rink and he can make plays, it's, it's got to be tonight. I don't care if Komarov doesn't score. Everly's got to show up. Your top line – I know they're not the Islanders' top line. The second line probably plays more. They played the most minutes last game, but they allowed the most chances against. I think it was like they had five scoring chances and they allowed the Penguins 11. That can't happen. So you need the Islanders to play Islanders hockey tonight. And I think Barry Trotz gets the most out of his players. The Islanders walk away with a win. You go back in to Saturday's game with a 2-1 lead in the series and you got to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, that's the route that they're going to have to take if they want to defeat Pittsburgh because like we just talked about if Pittsburgh gets one they're going to be sniffing that blood in the water so um, I think that it will be a very close game tonight despite like even if it's a 2 nothing shutout it's not going to feel comforting at all for Islanders fans watching it but when does playoff hockey feel comforting unless you're watching the Colorado Avalanche right now just completely dominate the St. Louis Blues or the Hurricanes completely dominate the Predators so there are a couple of teams that I think in this Stanley Cup playoffs are just a class above. We mentioned two of them. This East has nobody that's a class above. And the next two rounds are going to be brutal, and it's going to be enjoyable to watch every single second of it. So we're going to be talking a lot about it on the next episode. I can tell you that. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Pod. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. 
bedsheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bedsheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22.